0: And, and we are live. Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen. Bienvenidos, señoras y señores. De- is the NAI Ball Podcast? It is season five, episode 10. And just like every single week for the last five seasons from the end of January to well, pretty much the middle of June, I am your host, Robbie Gutierrez at Rob G1063 on Twitter. If you want to get at me, give me a follow, Talksman AI Baseball. Absolutely thrilled to be here with you. We have a jam packed show. Here on the NAI Ball podcast. And we would like to first and foremost thank our sponsor, the title sponsor of the NAI Ball podcast. That is Off Speed Athletics. Off Speed Athletics, yes, they are the number one, the title sponsor, the main sponsor of NAI Ball podcast. We are absolutely thrilled that they are that. And when it comes to building the brand, there's nobody out there that does it better than our friends over at Off-Speed Athletics. Off-Speed Athletics can provide your program with high quality sublimated uniforms and apparel for your youth, for your high school, for your collegiate teams. That's right. Off-Speed Athletics can help you at every single level for anything you need. It's not just uniforms either, folks. All right. They got the short sleeve hoodies going on for when you're in that Texas summer sun or wherever you are, you know. You've got all of that practice gear, pants, jerseys, anything and everything. Anthony over at Offspeed Athletics can help you with exactly what you need. So do us a favor. Again, if you don't want to do it for me, do it for Cody or do it for Connor. Give them a follow on Twitter and Instagram. And that's at Off Speed A-T-H, at Off Speed A-T-H. And you can check out their work and take a moment to check out their work by going to their website, www.offspeedathletics.com. That's right. That's www.offspeedathletics.com. Support the people who support this podcast, and that's Offspeed Athletics, the official title sponsor of the NAI Ball Podcast. We have an absolutely jam packed show with you here, folks. We're going to talk a little bit about what's going on around the nation. We've got some shout-outs and mentions, a week in review. We're going to update you on the conference races, every single conference. And we're going to continue to look at exactly how it's coming down to the wire with about a month left in the season. Right around this time next month, conference tournaments will get underway uh, throughout the nation. We've got our NAI Ball Hitter, Pitcher, and Team of the Week. Games and series that you need to be watching. Big series of the week heads down to Florida. And then it's everybody's favorite quick picks, which I'm not doing so hot at, but Cody had another good weekend, but it was Connor this week who had the perfect weekend. So things keep flipping around there. Uh, Before we bring in the foremost authority on NAI Baseball, Mr. Cody Butler himself, who you can find at NAI Ball on Twitter and Instagram, Cody. If you could have any intro for the show, why would it be Freak-A-Leak by P D Pablo? It would actually be Raise Up by P D Pablo. Uh, oh, that's one God. of my, That's a good one. It's a good one.
1: I listened to it as a kid and take your shirt off, spin around your head like a helicopter. That's
0: awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Cody, uh, you know it, it's going to be an interesting week for us here. Uh, I think every week you and I talk about. We've got one week where it's like, man, this is some must see TV, and then we have a week like this that's like. All right, there's some really good uh, matchups in conference uh, play, but it's not like the wildest week ever. It is definitely one of those weeks, but we've still got some big time matchups to talk about this week. And I am super excited uh, to get going with that and see exactly what happens uh, going forward, man. Just a month left in the year before the conference tournament starts. I
1: agree completely. I think early on in the season, we want these marquee matchups because it gives us something to look forward to. But right now in April, man, I think we're just watching conference games. And with conference games going on, every game is important. Every game
0: matters. Standings reflect that. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. We do have a winner in the NAI Ball podcast madness tournament and getting the shout out on the podcast, as well as some extras from Connor here shortly is Dawson Dirks out of Ottawa, Kansas. And so congratulations to Dawson on being smarter than you, me, and about 280 other people who were signed up for our March Madness tournament. Yeah, congratulations
1: to him. A guy from Kansas that knows basketball What a shocker. (laughs) Good call. (laughs) Absolutely nailed it. Uh, Shout out to the Kansas Jayhawks. Uh, I had no dog in the fight last night. I just wanted it to be a good game after a terrible first half. I don't want a terrible first half, but 15 point lead at halftime not exactly what you want. And uh ended up being a thrilling finish. Really good game. So I got what I wanted out of the tournament.
0: Who did you have in, in Duke, North Carolina? Because I feel like like for a lot of people that was was a big focal focal point. Um, for myself, you know, I, I've never really been a, a Duke person. And you, you know my father. My father's got a problem with a lot of people. <laughs> um, and <Bobby> so Cox. <laughs> <laughs> Bobby Cox, Chipper Jones. Uh, you, you got that video rant from him one time. But, you know, he's not – we're not big Duke people in, in the Gutierrez household. Uh, and I, I did spend a lot of time with former Tar Heel D- national champion, Dante Calabria, uh, when I lived in West Palm. So, you know, I was, I was pulling for UNC. Did you, did you have a rooting interest in that game between UNC and Duke?
1: Not particularly. I get the story of Coach K and wanting him to go out on top. I was fine with it either way, to be honest with you. I think the way it ended with him losing to his rival, now that's, you know, that's tough. I don't know. That's a tough one to swallow, especially if you're a Duke fan, especially because I thought that Duke was the better team. Mm-hmm. And I think Duke really let that game get away. Duke was up seven late in the second half of that game, let it get away. But that was a really good game, too. I mean, I just think it delivered. I think the Final Four delivered. Uh, but no, I wasn't impartial either way. It didn't matter to me.
0: By the time this podcast comes out, Cody, we will be about 24 hours away from opening day. But, you know, uh, Major League Baseball starting back up opening day this week. And then, almost more importantly, MLB The Show released last week. I'm not going to say what times I've been staying up with Steven Durrell to play uh, MLB The Show. You know, it's really cool. There's some interesting storylines. The Astros have two NAI players in their top 30 prospect list, both in Jonathan Bermudez and uh, Sean Dubin, who will start the year at the AAA level for the sugarland Space Cowboys. Both of them inside of the top 20 prospects, but Dubin inside of the top 10. So uh, really a good opportunity for these guys to make uh, a run at the Major League roster this year that's a bullpen that that does not have a ton of depth coming into the season and that both of these guys being on the 40-man have the chance to be optioned up and down. Uh, also, the Angels, one spot left on the roster and there's two NAI players going. I think uh, Michael Stefanik is going to be the guy there. Uh, uh, the Westmont grad is going to be the player that I think gets the call up. And gets to play on the team, uh, makes the opening day roster, and, and is, you know, hanging out with Mike Trout and Shohei Otani.
1: Four year charter at Westmont, four year gold glove winner, incredible player, all GSAC player, 36 strikeouts in 833 at bats across four years. I mean, he's averaging nine strikeouts a year, absolutely incredible stuff. He's a guy that's hitting seems to have gotten better as he's gotten older, he's put on weight. Uh, he's looking honestly like a stud athlete out there, MLB player. We're hoping that, you know, one of these guys gets the call. Rojas was a Chi SAC player of the year a couple of years ago. This is a guy that's already moved his way up. And these are guys that we've seen do it at this level. Westmart versus Vanguard again, this time, who's going to be on the opening day roster. I think yeah. it's a really cool story.
0: It, it really is. And if you're looking to keep up with that uh, and see how those guys are doing throughout the year, I, I can tell you that. Uh there's an N A I guy you can actually follow for that. That's Jared Timms at Jared J A R E D underscore Tims T-I-M-S. Uh, and he does minor league uh blogging and coverage for talk and halos. And he is an HIU baseball alum. So give Jared a follow if you're interested in keeping up with those two West Coast players. As uh, you know, we find out who makes the final spot of the opening day roster and who's going where, as well as any NAI players that are in the Angels minor league organization. So, Cody, let's kick things off here with some shout outs and mentions, plenty to get to in this show, plenty to talk about. So we want to give a congratulations first to the friend of the show, Central Methodist University head baseball coach Nate Breeland on his 300th win. Congratulations, Nate, there. A congratulations to another friend of the show as well, the head man over at LSU Shreveport, Brad Neffendorf, on his 100th career win. And last but not least, a congratulations to friend of the show as well at of Ottawa, Kansas, head baseball coach Gabe Grinder on his 100th career win. Congratulations, guys, to Nate, Brad, and Gabe. Much uh, deserved and, and wish you a ton more success in the future. Park University, Missouri, pitcher Angel LeBron threw a no-hitter with nine strikeouts in the conference win over Benedictine Park with a big win there. Huston Tillotson starting pitcher Sergio Santiago threw a no-hitter with three strikeouts in the conference win over Texas A&M Texarkana, a huge win there for HT and their program and their first-year head coach. Indiana Wesleyan's Evan Salmon was named the Crossroad Player of the Week after smashing seven home runs with 18 runs driven in. Salmon, Sits fourth nationally with 17 home runs right now. He's having a heck of a year. Avila's Burley Burrow pitched a nine-inning complete game shutout over 19, number 19 McPherson and held the Bulldogs to just four hits. Shawnee State shortstop Jacob Klein hit for the cycle in a win over West Virginia Tech. He tallied 10 hits, 11 runs, and 16 RBIs for the week. Lawrence Tech starting pitcher Alec Wiecherkowski. Set a new program record with 18 strikeouts and a nine-inning complete game win over Aquinas a little over three weeks ago. He broke the previous record with 17 Ks in a March 5th victory over Dort. He's now thrown five straight complete games. How about that? The Masters' first baseman, Evan Banks, was named GSAC Player of the Week on Monday after a monster comeback performance. Bouncing back from a concussion two weeks ago, Banks hit a triple, three home runs, and 11 RBIs this weekend in his return to action. Glad to have you back, Evan. Missouri Valley designated hitter slash pitcher Josh Simon went five innings pitch, no hits, and a conference win over number seven, Central Methodist. He also went three for four with a double and RBI at the plate offensively this season through 25 games. He's hitting 485 with seven doubles, seven home runs, and 25 RBIs. Georgetown's Max Flock hit for the cycle and drove in eight RBIs. He finished the week. 10 for 19 with a double, triple, three home runs and 13 RBIs. And last but not least, West Virginia Tech's Logan McClure went nine innings pitch, two runs, eight Ks, and a complete game victory over Brescia. Cody, I believe there's some you wanted to add there.
1: Yeah, I just wanted to give a shout-out to Ottawa's Tyler Bryant. Thought it was well-deserved. Went nine innings pitch, one hit, Truck out 13 this week in a conference win over Kansas Wesleyan. And Kansas Wesleyan's a really good hitting club. Uh, shout out to Ottawa for the sweep. They are proving the part of a top 15 nationally.
0: Most definitely, Ottawa does look really, really good this season. Let's keep it moving here and move on to our week in review. And, Cody, the first series from last week that we want to talk about is LCSC versus Corbin. They split the series 2-2, 4-0 for LCSC, 3-2 to for Corbin, then coming back in day number two, it was 15 to three LC and then two to one Corbin. It is a huge split for Corbin, who was 0 8 in conference play entering the series. You have a top three team nationally come into your ballpark, and they just did an absolutely incredible job against LC.
1: Yeah, really big time split for Corbin. Uh, LC did their thing on Friday night. Trent Sellers, nine-inch pitch, one hit, no runs, no walks, 14 strikeouts. Still a one-hitter with 14 Ks on the road. Trent Sellers, we've talked about him a lot on the podcast this year. name to look forward to in Lewis, and he's going to be a dude. Aiden Nagel, an NAI All-American, hit two home runs on Friday night in their big win. Hit another one on Saturday morning, a three-home run weekend for Aiden Nagel. But, man, the story of the weekend has to be Corbin and their starting pitchers. Zach Simon in the morning. Snapped a 28-game winning streak. Not only is that the longest win streak in L.C. State history, which is to me, that surprised me. I mean, L.C., they're a team that's been winning in N.A.I. forever. 28-game winning streak. That's their longest in program history. It snapped the N.A.I. season high. No one's won more than 28 in a row this year in N.A.I. Zach Simon went out there. Nine innings pitched, six hits, one run, eight strikeouts. Pitched an absolute gem. And that's what you're going to have to do against this L.C. team. You're going to need an absolute dude on the mound like a donkey that can just get it done, and that's what he did. Zach Simon, the 2021 Cascade Pitcher of the Year, showed why he was in our top five pitchers at the midway point this season. LC on the doubleheader game, Riley Way and Luke White, two homestown Lewiston kids, they both put up four RBIs apiece. The offense was just too much in game three. Series finale on Sunday, I actually got up pretty late, but I was able to see this game, thankfully, because it was played out there on the West Coast. But Nate Martin, the Cascade Pitcher of the Week, absolutely pitched a gem. Nine innings pitched, four hits, one run, held L.C. to four hits. That's a season low all year for L.C. Uh, Pitched an absolute gem, man. In a two-to-one game against L.C., against that offense, dude, you can make no mistakes. You walk a guy, the next guy hits a home run, and you lose just like that. I mean, you see it all the time. With teams like Elsie, they just come back. they like a Southeastern, their offense, to hold them down continuously. He didn't allow a hit after the sixth inning. I mean, he just shut them down. Nate Martin pitched an absolute gem. Zach Simon pitched an absolute gem. Like you said, this is the team last week, Corbin, they got swept by Bushnell. I mean, this is Bushnell's first year in conference play. And Corbin kind of talked about it. If you watch Nate Martin's post-game video on their Twitter, that they felt they weren't buying in. They had some selfishness on the team. I don't know what they did to flip the switch but LC is a true top three team in the NAI. We don't look at LC any differently because of this. I just think that they had a couple of pitchers step up, both of those kids from the Vegas area. Shout out to the Vegas area. But Zach Simon and Nate Martin to go nine innings apiece, one run a piece. not going to see that happen to LC the rest of the way. Shout out to those guys.
0: Yeah, no, it's a, a huge series uh, because we've seen teams put up runs on LC but not be able to hold them off the board. And, you know, uh, I – you know this. I I like baseball on the radio, so I constantly, uh, you know, listen to KOZ out there in in Lewiston, and um, they always have the Warriors on. And so it was really interesting to hear those games and to hear the finals. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was listening to them play UBC, and UBC was up like six to one at one point. And the next thing I know, after I get to my destination, get back in the car, next thing is. You know, it's 13-6, LC. They can hit. They faced some good pitching this past weekend from Corbin. Corbin did an incredible job holding their bats quiet through those games. A Really impressive two wins there for Corbin, who's going to need them to climb back in in this Cascade race. Cody, Tabor versus Oklahoma Wesleyan. Okwu wins the series 2-1, to 23-2 Oklahoma Wesleyan. Then 7 nothing. Tabor. Then game number three was 8-6, Oklahoma Wesleyan.
1: Big-time series win for Oklahoma Wesleyan. They're trying to get back into it. Uh, they had to get it done this weekend. Got to play a ranked opponent and pick up a series win. Definitely puts their best foot forward. 23-2, like you said, in the opener. This was a bloodbath, brother. Oklahoma Wesleyan led 16 to nothing in the fourth inning. They led 23-1 in the sixth inning. Seth Delgado, a double, a triple, five RBIs. Hector Manning. Homeward and drove in six. Orocio de DeLeon, the Talladega transfer, six innings pitched, one run, eight Ks. He looked really good. Uh, just a dominant first day. They just played one game on Friday. Absolute beatdown. Saber won game two, seven to nothing. Cody Moore had a basis-clearing three RBI double. That was able to get them up three to nothing. That's all the run support they would need. They had the All-American Austin Seidel on the mound. Austin Seidel, nine-inning complete game shutout, eight strikeouts, this year, Frost and Seidel, 61 innings pitched, 263 ERA, 77 Ks. He was the KCAC pitcher of the year last year. Uh, he's going to have tough sledding repeat this year, but he is continuing to put up monster numbers for them. Series came down to game three 1 1 rubber match. Tabor jumped out to a 4 1 lead in the third. Oklahoma Wesleyan tied it up 4 4 in the fourth. Leo Aguilar, the Tabor catcher, Put the Blue Jays on top, five to four. Tabor gets two quick outs in the sixth inning. Two quick outs. That's important to know. Two quick outs in that inning. But then an error at shortstop unravels everything. Oklahoma Wesleyan put up four straight hits, including three straight RBI hits. And they took the lead with a four-run inning. Oklahoma Wesleyan had to go back out there, just get one clean inning out of their closer, Chase Huggs. And that's exactly what they did. Big series win. This is one Tabor's going to feel they let get away. Uh, There were six outs away. There were technically four outs away from a series win that they really could have used in a tight race. But Oklahoma Wesleyan was able to take advantage of a mistake, open the door, and they get the series win.
0: Really, really big-time series win for Oklahoma Wesleyan, something that was much needed for Kirk Kelly's club. That I think you know can really do a lot of good for them going forward into this weekend, and we've already seen it do some good for Tabor in getting them going a little bit today. We'll talk more about that in just a minute. Cody Cumberland versus Freed Hardiman. Cumberland wins the series two games to one. It was eleven to nine FHU in game number one, but then Cumberland comes back and wins four to one, eight to three, and after a really rocky start, Cumberland has come all the way back around.
1: Yeah, on Twitter, some of the players kept quoting, don't let the birds get hot. Uh, the birds are officially hot. Uh, they're, they're on fire, man. they played really well. They had a stretch where they won 16 of 20. And then to just come out here and continue to play as well as they have in conference, really impressive stuff. Freed Hardeman won game one, 11 to nine. Uh, Freed Hardeman broke open a three to three game in the six with six runs. A Cumberland catcher Angel Mendoza homered twice, narrowed that margin down to 11 to nine, but Freed held on to win. Uh, for Freed in the win, Zach Sanders went four for five with two RBIs. Kent Rookland, a transfer from West Virginia Tech, he had a two-RBI double. And then Connor Creasy got the save, throwing a one in the third, picked up four strikeouts, got the save. But, man, game two, game three, all Cumberland. Trevor Mutsey, complete game, seven innings pitch, no earned runs, four strikeouts, dominant performance. Third baseman Tyner Hughes for the Phoenix had a two-run home run in the first inning. Madeline would need with Mutesy on the mound. He had an RBI double in the third inning. Big day for Tyner Hughes. But an even bigger day in game three for Cumberland was Cumberland's second baseman, Jaden Hanna. They, he put Cumberland ahead three to two in the fourth inning with a two-RBI double, and he broke open a three-to-three three game with a two-run home run in the sixth. He also added another home run later in the game in the eighth inning. He finished game three, Jaden Hanna did, going four for five with a double, two home runs, and five RBIs. Reliever Ethan Torres, Four innings pitch, two hits, no runs, three Ks. Got the dub. Shout out to Cumberland for the series win. You drop the opener and you come back the next day and you sweep the day. Cumberland looks really good in the Mid-South right now. This is a team that tested themselves super early. I mean, just a ridiculously hard schedule. You played Georgia Gwinnett, top 10 team. You played LSU Shreveport, top 10 team. They were challenging themselves, throwing midweek games against Tennessee Wesleyan. I mean, Ryan Clint, I felt like, was just trying to see the best of the best at this level the right yeah. way, he's like, all right, just right, let's see what we got here in the NAIA. And he definitely did it. He tested himself. But the boys are paying off. Uh, Angel Mendoza, who had the two-home run game on Friday, might be the best defensive catcher in NAIA baseball. I mean, elite. We posted some of his highlights on the NAIA ball Instagram page. Uh, he's backpicking people every single weekend. He is elite defensively. This program's got a lot of pieces. Cole Turney, when he's healthy. Cole Turney's a dude that's going to hit 20 home runs. Connor Hughes is producing well. Jaden Hanna, top of the order, with four for five this weekend. Look out for Cumberland, man. This is a team in conference second still a bit.
0: Wouldn't be surprised if it did happen, especially that conference is pretty open right now. We'll get into that in a little bit. Cody, HIU versus Vanguard, they split. Did we learn anything?
1: No, sir. I don't believe we did. This is kind of the fear with these G-SAC matchups between the big boys, Hope International goes out there on the road, sweeps the Friday, takes two games, and with the, all right, all you need is one win on Saturday to take this series. Maybe you move up to the second spot. Nope. Vanguard comes back, sweeps the Saturday two competitive games. (laughs) The run differential was tied. I mean, they split two to two. The run differential was tied. I mean, you just don't learn anything between these
0: guys. You, you, you don't in these GSAC series, man. It's, it's really hard to, to figure things out. Our big series of the week was Concordia, Nebraska taking on Midland and Cody. This one was all dogs. Concordia, Nebraska sweeps the series. Let me give you these scores here 16 to 2, 21 to 6, 11 to 5, 12 to 2.
1: My goodness, flex on them big dogs. Concordia, they all scored Midland 60 to 15. As a team, this weekend, Concordia hit 455 with 14 doubles and nine home runs. Four different players collected eight hits apiece in the series. Jaden Quinn, 8 for 12, two doubles, two home runs, six RBIs. Jaden Adams, 8 for 17, three doubles, two home runs, seven RBIs. Keaton Cander, 8 for 16, a home run, eight RBIs. Alec Blakestad, 8 for 14, two doubles, a home run, eight RBIs. I mean, they were just slugging. The ball all over the yard. Alex Johnson on the mound, six innings pitch, two runs, four Ks. Caden Johnson, six innings pitch, two hits, eight Ks. Great start by him. They looked the part of the top team in the conference. Them and Doan, man, they always do. We're going to get into it later. I wish they'd played more. We really wish that Concordia and Dome could play more. But Concordia showed there's some separation, man, between them and the rest right now. It's Concordia, Doan, and everybody else right now.
0: Well, let's go ahead and talk about that, Cody. Let's get into conference races, which is really our big kind of discussion part of this show. But as of today, we're going to go over every single conference but one. And We're not going to talk about the Continental or the Association of Independent you know, Institutions, whatever they want to call themselves, uh, because that's that's a totally different monster to go over because a lot of those teams don't get to play each other too often. But... Coming into today, and I know there were some conference matchups today, we're going to take a look at who's in first, who's all around in in these conferences, and kind of give you a breakdown of, of how these teams qualify and then who's in first right now and who's behind them or in the hunt. 46 teams qualify for the national tournament. One of those is a host bid. So LCSC, congratulations, you've already qualified for the uh, the opening round tournament. That will be held at Harris Field. We know that one. Then, after that, there are 30 automatic qualifiers and 15 at-large bids. So, in theory, if you are one of these conferences that has one bid, you are hoping that these two-bid conferences all go chalk because you need that to happen for you to get in to the tournament. Uh, usually, Cody, we start at 15 at-large bids, and we're able to shrink that number because of who wins the conference tournament, um, and, and just kind of the way that we do that is is if Southeastern's the number one team in the nation, and they don't win the Sun Conference tournament, and St. Thomas does, well, guess what? There's only 14 at-large bids because one of those at-large bid is going to Southeastern. They will be in the tournament no matter what. Uh, So that's, you know, we always say 15, but it ends up being more in the 12 to 13 range most years. And the more Cinderella stories there are, shout out to Baker, who has one of the greatest ones since we've been doing this show, uh, came in from the play-in game of the HAAC, and then went all the way through to win the tournament. If, you know, there's a Cinderella story, things like that, it's bad for the one-bid conferences, it's bad for the teams in the top 25 who don't win their conference. So let's go ahead and jump into this, Cody, but we'll start with a one bid conference. And it is the AMC, the American Midwest, Columbia, currently with a one game lead at 7 2 over both William Woods, Lion, and Missouri Baptist. This is an interesting conference because, uh, you know, a lot of things have gone back and forth here. Lions had some wins over Columbia, Mobap had some wins over Lion, William Woods has come kind of out of nowhere in this conference. It's going to be really interesting as we finish things off.
1: Yeah. So the one big conferences get tricky is you're picking tournament champions. And it's always tough to pick a tournament champion here. Missouri Baptist is the best pitching team in the conference by a pretty significant margin. They have a three, seven, five team ERA. No one else has a ERA under five. Now, when it comes to offense though, Columbia looks like to have, they're scoring the most runs. I mean, technically lion leads the conference. With a 350 batting average. The mm-hmm. Columbia is hitting 311. They have more runs for being more productive when they are on the base. The thing that I will give Columbia and Missouri Baptist, a lot of these teams at the top have already played to other top teams. Like they've already, you know, Columbia's played Lion. Lion's played Missouri Baptist. Um, it really doesn't matter when you're talking about a conference that doesn't have a regular season champion getting an automatic berth. But I'm really looking forward to seeing how this one plays out because this is three or four teams that you just don't know. Like we thought we would see some separation, at least I did. I thought Missouri Baptist at the beginning of the year was going to come out and be just the best team in this conference. They haven't been. Um, They didn't start the year. Now, in conference, they're playing better. They're pitching better. Uh, Shout-out to Matthew Huss, nine-inning complete game. Shout-out the other day. Looked really good. They're starting to pitch really well. But Columbia, Lion, William Wood, like you said, these are teams that could get hot, play well for three to four days and take a bid and win this
0: tournament. Can you give me a a pick? I know I want to say earlier in the year you went with Missouri Baptist, I went with Lion. Are you going to stick with that?
1: Yeah, I'll stick with Missouri Baptist because I think they have the best pitching by far in the conference, and I think they're hitting well enough. They're hitting 311 as a team. They're going to start doing better. They're hitting much better, obviously, in conference than out of conference. Out of conference, they're hitting 280 because they tested themselves. They played some good teams. But I think Missouri Baptist, with their frontline starters – give me Beau, I'm going to ride the team I entered with.
0: I'm I'm going to stick with Lion as well in the AMC, but Columbia right now with a one game lead over both William Woods Lion and Missouri Baptist. Cody, I feel like this conference uh in the Appalachian Athletic which has two bids has one team that stands out from everybody else. And when you look at the regular season, which really doesn't matter other than getting you a pool, you know, is Tennessee Wesleyan is 18-0 with a four-game lead in the regular season over Reinhardt. But where the bids come from in this conference are both postseason bids. There are only two conferences in the NAI that only do, that that have multi-bids, that are multi-bid leagues, that only do their bids in the postseason. The Appalachian Athletic is one of them. Tennessee Wesleyan right now, 18-0 in conference. Reinhardt, 14-4. St. Andrews, 13-5. Milligan, 13-5. Point, 13-5. Then Troop McConnell and Brian, both 10-8. Bluefield, 9-9. This is a conference, Cody, that some interesting things could happen. What they're going to do is they're going to go to pools, and both bids will come from the tournament. Both teams that make the championship game will advance to the national tournament with 10 teams making the event out of the 13 schools sponsored for postseason play. So things are going to get really interesting down the stretch here. What would you say about the Appalachian Athletic Conference and who you think the two teams would be? Uh, I believe both earlier in the year, you and I both gave Tennessee Wesleyan and Reinhardt.
1: Yeah, and that's who I think are the two best teams. I feel good about that. I think those are the two best teams. You look at Reinhardt, 2 ERA in conference. Uh, only above them is Tennessee Wesleyan, but a 2-3-1. The next close to St. Andrews at 4-2-1. Shout out to St. Andrews. They've played really well. But I think Reinhardt is the second-best team. I think they're the second-most talented team. They're hitting 294 as a team. They're honestly hitting pretty well, Reinhardt is, this year. 294 is a step up from previous years for them. They're hitting well I against mean, Tennessee Wesleyan. You look at them, they're hitting 370. I, mean, I don't even know speak on Tennessee Wesleyan. They're for sure going to win the bubble. Problem yeah. with this it was like the conference tournament, man. The second best team doesn't always win the bubble in this conference. Mm-hmm. We've seen Union do it. We've seen Point do it. Remember Point? They were one of the bigger Cinderella stories before we started in the eyeball, ball, but they were uh, the, the first seed in their team? conference tournament. Yeah, and then went to the opening round. The first five seed ever win an opening round. I mean, they were twenty eight and twenty eight, and they're in Lewiston. Honestly, an incredible story for Point back in twenty sixteen. But yeah. Give me Reinhardt, Pablo Barquero, give me Ethan Foley. Their frontline one-two starters on the mound are really, really good, and I think that's the difference this year. I think Pablo Barquero right now is on a roll where he's throwing nine innings every single week. Uh, Ethan Foley is striking out batters left and right. I like their two starters. You don't have to be better than Tennessee Wesleyan. That's the thing. You just don't want to be in the pod with Tennessee Wesleyan. I think that's the big thing. As long as they finish outside of that pod, and I think they will as long as they keep winning conference games,
0: uh, give me those two teams yeah I'm I'm gonna 100% agree with you on that man I, I think it's gonna be those two teams uh, both Tennessee Wesley and I think they're just one of the best teams in the nation bar none I mean I've got them as at number two and 10 to Lewiston uh, which we'll have an updated one of those next week and then Reinhardt has really played is playing their best baseball as of late and it, it's gonna be really hard to keep them out it is a tough spot and again you never it's never a comfortable feeling I remember 2013 uh, waiting to hear back on whether you know where we would be even though we were top 10 team if you know we were going to make it you there's still that uneasy feeling that you might be left out just because there are not a lot of uh at-large bids and i remember 2014 the very next year having having my heart broken and, and being left out and that was it you know go home you're done uh even though you won 37 38 games in the season it, it didn't matter there weren't enough at-large bids for you there and and you weren't high enough in the top twenty-five, you know, or or high enough thought of team in the top twenty-five or anything like that to make the postseason tournament. Your ranking, all of that—it's it, really up to chance. If you wait for that at-large bid, and and it's really an uneasy feeling. So it'll be something that you know. I think Reinhardt still gets done, but if they don't, it, it's not fun to wait around and see where your fate is. Uh, but I, I do think that the two-site winners would be. Tennessee Wesleyan, and Reinhardt. Cody, we move on to the Cal Pack, which is a two-bid league, and the first bid goes to the regular season champion. They are the automatic qualifier, and then the second bid goes to the winner of the tournament. If the winner of the tournament is the same as the regular season champion, then it goes to the runner-up. So because of that, Right now, St. Catharines has a half-game lead over Antelope Valley. St. Catharines is 11-4. and four, Antelope Valley is 10-4. and four. Still in the hunt, two games out. Embry-Riddle, Arizona, and Marymount, California are two games back, and then Ben Mesa is 2.5. This conference is going to come down to the wire.
1: And shout-out to St. Catharines, sweeping Ben Mesa. I don't think either of us saw that coming. Really surprising result. They swept this weekend. Antelope Valley dropped a series this weekend. We didn't expect. I'm still going to roll with Antelope Valley, though. They're the best pitching team in the conference, a 4-5-3 ERA. I've granted all these teams out there in California rake. So a 4-5 ERA is pretty good for that conference. And you're looking at hitting-wise Antelope Valley. They're hitting three forty two as a team. Uh, offensively, they got some firepower. They're not a lot of home runs this year. You don't see that a lot for Antelope Valley. Only five home runs as a team in conference play through 15 games. Embry-Riddle is a team that's hitting 335 as a club with 13 triples, 15 home runs, 34 doubles. I mean, Embry-Riddle is absolutely raking. St. Catherine is on the ascend. They started not very good. St. Catherine was a team I actually picked in the very first podcast we did this year as the second team out of that conference. And they ended up not looking good early, but they're bounced back late. I mean, like I said, that sweep over Ben Mesa absolutely monstrous. And now they're hitting 330 in conference play. They have 22 home runs. They're going to hit the home runs. They got the power hitters. They got Dylan Jacob. They got Brady Ware. Uh, St. Catherine can hit. I saw it in an opening round last year against Gwinnett. They hit five home runs off Gwinnett in an opening round game. Uh, they're a really good hitting club, but I'm going to go with Antelope Valley. I think Antelope Valley, to me, is the team that's the most complete. Uh, you look at Andrew Garcia on the mound. He's a really good pitcher. That's a guy that can go out there and get you nine-inning shutout and get you nine-inning one-earned, two-earned, go out there and pitch and pick up a quality performance. So give me Antelope Valley. And I am impressed with Saint Catherine. I think they're on the rise. I think they're hitting well. Uh, they're just going to have to outscore people, and that's kind of how the Cow Pack is like made. I mean, they don't usually have a lot of two to one finals out there.
0: Yeah, it's it's going to come down to you know who can outscore who. Uh, I, I'm with you. I think Antelope Valley is one pick. Uh, and and I'm if I had to choose the regular season champion, it would be Antelope Valley. On that, they're only a half game back behind Saint Catherine. Uh, I think that they will find a way. They're 23-9 and nine right now, 10-4 and four in conference play, having a really good season. But I do think St. Catherine is a team to watch out for, and I did have them as uh, when we did this at the very beginning of the year, St. Catherine as that second team to keep an eye on in the Cal Pack, and as the team who would really uh, look like they had a chance. I mean, they, they are playing their best baseball as of late, and that's really the time that you want to start being able to do this. The next conference we want to go over, Cody, is – the Cascade, it is a one-bid conference, technically a two-bid if you count LC getting an automatic berth, but as of today, both LC and College of Idaho are tied for winning percentage for first place. Unfortunately, uh, you know, being regular season champion does nothing for you but get bragging rights. You have to win the conference tournament to get the bid here or basically play against LC in the conference championship game. But College of Idaho nine and three, LC six and two, first year Bushnell seven and five, Oregon Tech four and four, UBC five and six, Corbin two and six, Eastern Oregon two and nine. Cody, what do you see? Who do you got?
1: Yeah, give me Corbin. I mean, obviously, I think LC is going to be the team that wins the conference like a year ago. But I think give me Corbin. I am not falling off of them. Yes, I understand that they entered this weekend. I believe it was zero and eight in conference play. But with an arm like Zach Simon, who's a legit All-American candidate, and you saw what Nate Martin can do, go nine innings, one earn, and he's pitched well. Mason Shaw, I've seen pitch really well at times this year, too. Corbin can get it together, man. They just got to get it together. They get it together. They're going to pitch. They're going to pitch well. They're second in the conference in the RA. Uh, They've pitched really well so far this year. I think that'll continue. And in conference tournament play, I think pitching depth is huge,
0: and that's why I will roll with Corbin. So I was really on the fence with this one. I first I thought, well, maybe I'll take College of Idaho. But then College of Idaho, what they have left is LC and Corbin, or Corbin and then LC. Uh, then I thought, okay, well, you know, I really like Jacob Garces and what he's done at at Eastern Oregon, or excuse me, at uh, Oregon Tech. Oregon Tech has LC and Corbin, and I believe Eastern Oregon after that. I mean, it's it's going to be really interesting. I mean, it's all right there in front of you if you're Corbin. You ha- you're you going to have your opportunities. You've got the College of Idaho coming up. You've got, you know, Oregon Tech. Um, so, you know what? I mean, Cody, that's a big jump there from 2-6 and six for, for Corbin. I, I know they have probably one of the best arms in the conference, and, and the Cascade was the only conference that had two arms in our midseason watch list for Pitcher of the Year uh, with Trent Sellers from L.C., As well as Zach Simon from Corbin just having just, I mean, Cody, just an incredible season. They were the only conference that had two arms like that. Uh, It's all there for Corbin. I am going to take Oregon Tech just because I I like Jacob Garces, and that's who I took earlier in the year. Uh, But Corbin, it's all right there for you. You know, Now you just got to go get it. You're done with LC, but you still have some big games and and some people knock off, and it starts this weekend. Cody, next On the list is going to be the CCAC, the Chicagoland Collegiate Athletic Conference. And Olivet Nazarene entered today, leading by one game at 12 and 2. I now see that they are 13 and 2 overall. Uh, St. Xavier, St. Ambrose, Roosevelt, and St. Francis are all in the hunt in this conference. And both of these bids, one comes from the regular season champion, the other comes from the tournament. Really interesting here because St. Ambrose and St. Xavier played today. St. Ambrose, uh, you know, very competitive matchups with St. Xavier. I I know they won the first game. Not sure as of the time that we were recording the show what happened in the second. But entering today 4-5 when we are recording today's show, Olivet Nazarene with at least – at least a one-game lead in this conference.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go with the teams I've been on all year, and that's Olivet Nazarene and St. Xavier. Uh, right now, Olivet Nazarene, I feel more comfortable about them winning the conference than I probably have at any point this year. Uh, Ethan Underwood has continued to pitch like an absolute ace, like we thought he would. Uh, this is a guy that was outstanding last season. He has a one nine zero ERA in 52 innings this season. Aaron Gustafson... Has a three-five yard range, fifty-three innings. He's punched out sixty-two and fifty-three. Uh, you look at their catcher, Tyler Wheeler. He's hitting three-fifty with eight home runs this the season. Uh, they just to me looked the apart. They've started to separate themselves, especially in conference play. I think they've started to look really, really good as a conference as a whole. I think Olivet Nazarene is going to punch their ticket by winning the regular season. But give me Saint Xavier still to get that second bid, and I think it's a narrow margin. I don't think there's like a huge separation between honestly any of these teams. I think maybe right. between Olivet Nazarene and the bottom is a separation, but between like four or five teams. The CCAC is pretty deep. I think for a team that gets – the conference it's going to get overlooked. It's a northern conference, so they're naturally just going to get overlooked just like the Big Ten is in baseball and the NCAA. But I think this is a quality of pretty deep conference. And I think Olivet Nazarene – and I think there's a couple of different things, like St. Ambrose. St. Ambrose is a team that we were pretty high on coming into the season. I mean, they're doing pretty well. They're hitting 278 as a team. Like, give me all of it, Nazarene. They're hitting three fifty eight as a team in conference. I mean, that was absolutely elite. They have a two seven nine ERA. That's elite. They're the best hitting team. They're the best pitching team. For sure, give me all of it, Nazarene. And uh, I'll take St. Xavier with my flyer pick.
0: Yeah, I'm going to do the same and say, give me all of it, Nazarene, but I'm going to take St. Ambrose as as the other pick. Uh, And I just think that, you know, coming into the day, I know they won the first game against uh, St. Xavier. They were tied. In, in the second game, uh, but as a time of recording, they did have one game on them. It's going to be a really tight conference, Cody. The the uh, CCAC is really going to come down to the wire. It's going to come down to the last couple of days of play, and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. The Crossroads League, Cody, has two teams tied for First place, and this is a two bid league where the regular season champion gets one bid. And then, of course, the winner of the conference tournament or the runner up, if the regular season champion wins it, gets the second bid. But Taylor and Mount Vernon Nazarene, both 16 and four, tied for first place. Huntington is three games back. Indiana Wesleyan is four games back. Really important note for this weekend, Cody, is that Huntington and Indiana Wesleyan will actually play each other this weekend. We are one week away from Mount Vernon Nazarene and Taylor, which will be an epic series, something to keep an eye on uh, for the Crossroads League automatic qualifying bid. But Taylor and Mount Vernon Nazarene right now with a three-game lead on Huntington. Huntington and Indiana Wesleyan. Indiana Wesleyan trying to climb back in it. Huntington with a chance to really knock out Indiana Wesleyan.
1: I think this one's going to be tighter than the CCAC. I really do. you got Mount Vernon Nazarene, and they're going out there putting out pitching performances left and right. They're looking really good on the mound. They lead the conference in ERA, 161 strikeouts in 161 innings. They're punching out a batter an inning. ERA, 406. Really liking what I'm seeing out of Mount Vernon Nazarene. Usually it's Taylor, the team, but the clear best ERA. This one's Mount Vernon Nazarene. So you got Mount Vernon Nazarene at 406. The next closest is Taylor at 480. So, I mean, it's a pretty big jump there. I mean Indiana Wesley has the best offense. Uh, They returned so many guys. We knew their offense was going to be the best in conference this year. They're hitting 331 as a team. They got 25 home runs, 48 doubles. They thump it, man, 48 doubles in 20 games. It's outrageous. I really like Indiana Wesleyan because I really like their offense. And I'm still big on Taylor. The two teams we were going into this was Indiana Wesleyan and Taylor. Mount Vernon Nazarene has obviously jumped up, with their pitching performances, the stuff they've done on the mound has been really impressive. But I'm going to lean with the two that got us here. Give me Indiana Wesleyan, give me Taylor, To the two teams to take bids here.
0: I think, uh, you know, we're going to learn a lot in a week when Taylor and Mount Vernon Nazarene play each other if they continue to be tied. Uh, Taylor's got Spring Arbor, who's not who I, I want to say is in fifth right now in the Crossroads League. Uh, and I think that that's going to be really, really interesting to see coming down here to the wire, uh, especially next week with just about two weeks left in the season when Taylor and Mount Vernon Nazarene play. Those are the two teams I'm going to take, Taylor and Mount Vernon Nazarene as my Crossroads League representative, and I'm going to take Taylor as the regular season champion. Cody, the one that we have no idea about is pretty much a three-team race in the most cannibalistic conference in America. It is the GSAC. It is a one-bid conference. Westmont, with a three-game lead, according to the GSAC website, uh, on both Vanguard and... In HIU at 23-5, and five. winning the regular season does nothing for you. It's all going to the tournament champion, and in this conference, Cody, in the GSAC, six teams will make the GSAC tournament, and right now, as of this moment, those six teams would be Westmont, Vanguard, Hope International, Arizona Christian, the Masters, and William Jessup. Now, The race for sixth place is going to be more interesting maybe than the race for the top spot and the number one seed because Menlo is just three games out of, you know, William Jessup's spot, San Diego Christian's three games out, Ottawa, Arizona, one game out of that sixth spot. Really going to be interesting to see what happens uh, for that last spot. But one team here in this conference, who are you going to take?
1: I'll be honest with you. I don't know if there's a conference I'm less confident in than this one when I mean, there's one spot <laughs> between these three elite national powers that, like, I just don't have a clue. I don't have a clue, man. So you got Westmont, they lead the conference in ERA. They got a 408, but Vanguard's right behind them with a 424. Hope is right there with a 460. You're looking offensively. Hope is the best offensive team. They've scored the most runs, they have a 328 average. They're doing the best offensively, but Vanguard's right there. 306 average, 171 runs. Now, all these teams have played the same amount of games, except Westmont, who has four games up on them. But, man, I I really don't know. They all hit home runs. The home run differential is 27, 25 to 21. It's between Vanguard, Hope, and Westmont. I went with Westmont. They do have the best pitching, but it's slight. It's very slight. You're starting to see it. I don't know, man. I see – when you look at this, I think Hope International has the best pitcher in Hector Garcia. Yes. and seen what he can do, but he ha- they have the best pitcher. Uh, Greg Lamb is starting to get on fire. Shout out to Greg Lamb, Dog Water Podcast. He says we're getting better. We appreciate that. We're always trying to improve for our fans and listeners. And I don't know, man. Something tells me Hope International might win this tournament, but I went with Westmont. Can I change midseason? Do we do that? Give me hope international, yeah. We'll
0: change.
1: Yeah, give me hope international. I think they're actually going to win the tournament. Now I do.
0: I I think I'm I'm going to stick with Vanguard for the moment. Uh, We just again, we have not learned anything from this conference. It's like you said, if you had to rank these conferences by confidence of who you think was going to win, this would be dead last. It'd be dead last. Um, and it's just really a mystery. Uh, Westmont I could see happening, HIU I could see happening, Vanguard I could see happening, I could see a total team out of freaking nowhere coming out and and winning it. It's it's just you never know with this conference. Nobody cannibalizes themselves like the GSAC. I do think all three of these teams are national tournament teams. I do think all three of these teams make the national tournament, but when you're talking about the one bid, it's going to be tough. I I guess I'll I'll stick with who I had um, at the beginning of the year in, in Vanguard. Cody, the G Pack is a two bid league. Now, the G Pack does it a little bit different, uh, and so the way that the G Pack does this is that if the regular season champion wins the tournament, there is a uh, a you know an asterisk here. So, let's say Concordia wins the G Pack tournament. Well, Concordia wins it over Mount Marty. But Doan finishes second in the conference. The bid goes to Doan instead of Mount Marty and Concordia and Doan are the two representatives. So the way this works is that the regular season champion gets one bid and then the tournament champion gets the other. If the regular season champion wins the tournament, the bid will go to the second place team in the regular season. So as of right now, the two teams are tied for first place in Doan and Concordia, Nebraska. Both of them tied for first at 11 and 1. Mount Marty is two games back. Briarcliff is three games back. Cody, the G Pack has been pretty good this year. You've got Doan at 22 and 7 and Concordia, Nebraska at 22 7 and 1. Mount Marty at 23 and 8.
1: Yeah, the G Pack has been pretty good this year. And, you know, maybe I'm the bad guy for this, but I love the way they do that. I love it. I'm much more a fan of rewarding teams from January to April. 100% with for, you. Yeah, than rewarding for three days in May. Like, I don't, I think, don't, if you look at Done and Concordia last year, now they obviously played in the title game, so they got the two bids regardless. But they split as co champs in the regular season. It went to Concordia, uh, ended up going to Concordia, and then Concordia won the title, so Done got the bid. But can you imagine if, like, the sixth place team in that conference got it, and Don's like, dude, we're 28 and 11 too. What the heck? Like, no, like, I don't – I'm all for rewarding the second-best team in the conference, and I think this is a two-team conference. I really do. I think when it comes to who's going to take these bids, give me Concordia, give me Dome. And you got a tale of two different kind of teams. Concordia, best offense in the conference by far. I mean, you look at their numbers. The second-place home run team in the conference is 17. Concordia has 31. They have 31. They have 136 RBIs. No one else has more than 90. I mean they've scored 149 runs in 12 conference games. The next best one is 98. They're hitting 396 as a team in conference. They're just absolutely getting it done. They mash the baseball. This is a team that hits more home runs than almost anyone in any of baseball. Now when it comes to the pitching, it's all Don. Don has the best ERA by far. Don has a 2.56 ERA. The next closest is 4 runs. They're getting it done. Don has punched out 110 batters in 95 innings. They're punching out ten point four two a game. They've only allowed five home runs on the year. And Cordia's not pitching as what they were the last couple of years. They have a four nine one team ERA. That is a far cry from Jason Munch and Jake Foskett the last couple of years. But you know what? When you score 149 runs in twelve games, it really doesn't matter.
0: You know what? I'm I'm one hundred percent with you. I think this is a two a two team league right now. Uh, that can change by the end of the month, but right now, Doane and Concordia, Nebraska, interchangeable. One, two, two, one, one, one. Doesn't matter. I, I think those are the two teams that will be getting the bid. Cody, the heart before of America. Move, wait, oh yeah, wait, no, tell here.
1: me. Yeah, before you move on, really quick, uh, we were going to talk about it earlier. Maybe they can reach out and let us know why does Concordia and Dome not play each other more than two times a season? This right. is back to back years you've got elite G Pack teams. I mean, teams that should be in the top 25. Dome was on 16-game winning streak. They looked really good. Concordia made Lewis in last year. Two top 25, top 30 caliber national teams. You're 26 miles away from each other. Campus to campus, 26 miles. Why are we only playing twice a year? I didn't understand that. Especially when you have a conference series with four games here, four games here, four games here, but we're only playing a doubleheader one time each year. Not a fan of that. I want to see... Concordia and Done every weekend, let alone just one Sunday.
0: <laughs> I'd like to see that Concordia and Doan play each other for like the next six weeks.
1: You know, just a fifty-five game schedule of nothing. To <laughs> Concordia
0: going twenty. What? What? How many miles is it?
1: Twenty-six miles, baby.
0: Like I don't even understand. I thought
1: maybe Nebraska is a bigger state than I thought. Like, all right, let's see how far <laughs> they are from each other. No, we need to see y'all play each other more than just a doubleheader. Not cutting yeah. it for
0: me. It it does not. It it needs to make a little bit more sense there. Cody, the HAAC takes the tournament champion and the tournament runner-up. According to their conference website, they do do divisions. Uh, in the north, Mount Mercy is 11-3 and three in first place in their conference. Clark is one game back. In the south, CMU is 13-3 and three in first place in the south division with MNU trailing one game back. Give me your two teams for this conference. Well,
1: I am going to take... Central Methodist University and Clark University. But, uh, yeah, give me Central Methodist. Give me Clark. Central Methodist right now pitching really well at a 3980 ERA. They're hitting extremely well. They're hitting three seventy eight as a team. They have 29 home runs. They scored 166 runs, which is way more than their counterpart, their next person up. But I like Clark starting pitching. I think they have a couple of dudes that can get into a tournament. This is a theme with an AI ball you're going to see with Mr. Cody Butler that good pitching, I'm taking good pitching, and just quality starting pitching, like three or four starters. It's hard to come really, by. It. Yeah, it's like that's what like really helps you win a conference tournament. Because you know, like you said before, and you say it all the time, everybody has one dude. Everybody's got a guy. Like You got a guy that, hey, go give me the ball, Jimmy, and he'll win the game for you. But it's like what happens on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. So that's why I'm going to go with Central Methodist, and I'm going to go with Clark. A team that, to me, is starting to find its groove, though, and I think – could play themselves back into an opening round is mid America Nazarene. Didn't have the start that I would expect for them to have this year, but I feel like they're quietly starting to pick it up a little bit, and I'm looking for them as a team in a tournament that could do well. I had picked William Penn earlier in the season, and I like William Penn. They're just not hitting really well for where I want William Penn to be. They're not hitting really well, and they have an ERA of 7-1 in conference. I'm going to have to fall off that pick. I'm going to fade that pick now, and I'm going to go CMU and Clark.
0: I like those selections. Uh, you know, I, I like those selections of CMU and Clark. I think Clark, you know, has has some good arms. Obviously, CMU's got the one arm in the conference that um, can go out there and I think beat anybody in the nation. So I, I really like those two selections there for the HAC, in, which is just the second conference, the only other conference other than the AAC, which takes uh, the tournament champion and the tournament runner up, or in the Appalachian Athletic Conference case, the two teams in the championship game uh, get into the tournament, both of these the same way. Into the KCAC now, Cody and uh, Tabor beat McPherson today. Again, these are just based off of entering today. These are not updated, but, and actually, I'm going to give you the updated version. I lied. Ottawa's 16 and three. In conference so you know don't look at the show sheet Cody I'm letting you know now Ottawa is 16 and 3 McPherson Tabor and Friends are all 15 and 4 one game back Oklahoma Wesleyan is uh, far behind as well as Kansas Wesleyan but this is a two bid conference and the regular season champion gets one so give me your regular season champion and then give me the other team you think is going to make the tournament
1: Well, picking the second team as a theme is going to be really hard to do. I like Ottawa. I think they're starting pitching. Steven Norell, uh, absolutely incredible ace, just incredible ace. Tyler Bryant has pitched like an ace. So it's like you're running out there with two aces. Hector Sapulveda, I know, Robbie, you say I don't. I say his name funky, but he's been really good as their number three. He's striking out over 10 a game per K-9. Ottawa, to me, the best pitching team in the conference. Uh, It's not even close. They look really, really good. They have a three one four ERA. That's about a run better than the next closest counterpoint, number two, Bethany. I think Ottawa's also a team that's getting it done offensively. I think they're the most complete team. They're second offensively. They're hitting 324 as a team. They have 37 home runs in 19 games. I mean, that's basically two a game. Tabor offensively, 348, insane numbers. 348, 40 home runs, absolutely getting it done. Dropped the series to Oklahoma Wesleyan bounced back. And like I said, that was so close, man. That's an error away from not losing that series, and then they're on their way. I don't. It's hard to pick a tournament baseball who could get hot. I think Oklahoma Wesley, if they sneak in there with some of the guys they have, Kellen Brothers, Cody Muncy, don't let Oklahoma Wesleyan get hot. I think York's played some good baseball. York's a team. We were just talking about Doan. They erased a 13-run deficit the other day to Dome. York's playing pretty well this year. McPherson looks really good. They're a top-20 team. McPherson... It's probably going to be my pick. As I say them for last, I like McPherson this year. They're hitting three twelve as a team. They absolutely crushed the baseball. Forty five doubles, thirty three home runs, and only nineteen baseball games. That's absolutely insane. But give me those three, McPherson. They got a four nine zero era. As long as they outscore you, which is what they want to do, I think they can. I'll take Ottawa. I'll take McPherson.
0: I think this is a three bid league, Cody. When it comes down to it, uh, I, I think they're going to get three three teams in. I just think that that's the way it's going to go. And I think any combination of Ottawa, McPherson, McPherson, Tabor, Tabor, Ottawa, you know, Tabor, McPherson, whatever. I think they get three teams in. And I think that, you know, uh, those are the three favorites. Could you see friends, Oklahoma, Wesleyan, Kansas, Wesleyan, make a deep run down the stretch? It's going to have to be a deep run uh, just because, you know, those resumes are are not the same as the other three teams. And – um that That's going to be really interesting to watch. But Tabor with a huge win today, so those standings are updated. So it, it's really tight for that two-spot in the conference tournament. The regular season champion getting an automatic bid in that one will be interesting to see how that shakes out down the road in this conference tournament. Moving on to the Mid-South Conference, which is a two-bid conference going to the regular season champion as well as the tournament champion. Georgetown currently in first place. At twelve and three, Cumberland is just a half game back. At eleven and three, Fried Hardeman one and a half games back, and then UC is four games back. Tell me about the Mid South.
1: Georgetown twelve and three in first place. Can we talk about that too? Why Georgetown is not rated ahead of Cumberland's, who so they are five games better in conference? I don't understand. I think that should be mentioned. I think that's an error. I mean, I think Georgetown is being severely handicapped. I think you're taking a team that could be in a top 25, and when you don't put them in the top three in your conference, they're not going to get to be ranked in the top 25. I think you're handicapping a team there, not a fan of it. I think Georgetown's played extremely well. Georgetown's hitting 291 as a team, but where they're really getting it done is obviously on the mound. They have a 401 ERA. They're punching out a batter and in anything. They look really good on the mound. Cumberland, Tennessee is red hot right now. It's hard to go against them, and Cumberland has played really the tough part of their schedule. You know, they've played Campbellsville, they've played Cumberland University in Kentucky, they've played Free Hardeman. Look for Cumberland to keep it going, man. They're hitting 319 as a club offensively. They have 63 home runs as a team in 38 games. That is absolutely insane number. Give me Cumberland, Tennessee down the stretch to ride this thing. Like we mentioned it, they did not start well at all, played against a loaded front schedule. This is really the Olivet Nazarene method. They come down there, they take some L's playing some really, really good teams down south, and then they go up there and they win their conference. They did it last year. That's what I'm predicting them to do this year again, and that's what I think Cumberland, Tennessee is going to do. They're going to play some teams a little bit better than them, and then they're going to come here to the mid-south and take advantage of a wide-open conference this year and potentially win the thing, and that's what I think they'll do.
0: Cody, the North Star Athletic Association is a one-bid league. Bellevue?
1: Give me the Bruins. Give me Elijah Johnson. Uh, give me Bellevue to go out there, wreck some havoc. In an early prediction on the podcast, we'll look back to it. Bellevue, they're going to win the North Star, and they're going to go to the Lewiston opening round. That's a prediction. And you said that they were going to beat LC. No, no, it's impossible.
0: All I mean, right, just trying to set you up bill. there.
1: Yeah, yeah, set me up there. Yeah, uh, no, give me uh no. I, I will take LC. <laughs> Dang, we really ruined a great moment there. Thank you. Was, that ruined that. All our North Star friends I just made, I lost them. Appreciate that. <laughs> Couldn't but, uh, let no, you I will, have
0: that. Sorry. I
1: will take LC in this hyper. And if this matchup doesn't
0: even happen, I just lost friends for nothing. So I hope you're happy. <laughs> yeah, I'm thrilled. Bellevue is 11-0 in first place. Dakota State, two and a half games back. And Mayville State is four and a half games back. One bid only in the NSAA. Cody, we move on to the Red River Athletic Conference. LSU Shreveport? Well, we say that, but LSUA is just two games back, and uh, in after that, in third place, is uh, USW five games back. But you and I were talking about this last night. I mean, really, if Alexandria keeps on their, on their stuff, they're Shreveport's one bad weekend away from losing that automatic bid as the regular season champion. This is a two-bid league.
1: Yeah, absolutely so, and they end the year playing each other, which is – To me, pretty great. I I couldn't believe how quietly LSUA is at 18-3, especially because they lost our big series of the week earlier this year. They dropped two of those to Louisiana Christian in our national big series of the week, and they have played really, really well down the stretch or lately. Uh, Give me Shreveport to win the regular season. I just don't see them dropping games at all. They are an absolute buzzsaw right now, 22 straight. I will take Shreveport to win the conference, and I'm going to take Louisiana Christian to actually get that second bid. I'm taking Louisiana Christian. Yep, give me Keelan Johnson, the nation's leading hitter, 517 batting average. Give me the LCU Wildcats. Shout out to LCU for making sure we know their score every inning. Big fans of them. I'm taking LCU. I'm taking LSUS.
0: I like those two selections, man. I like those two selections. I think Southwest is having just an incredible year. I mean, the the top 5 teams in this conference are are really doing well this season. It's it's the bottom portion. You know, it's a race for for pretty much uh um, who's going to get that eighth spot. And it's it's pretty much already settled, Cody. I mean, the the tournament's already set up. It's just kind of shuffling here. But there's a 7 game difference between eighth place Xavier Louisiana, and uh, ninth place, H.T. Um, I, I just, I don't think that eight teams make the con- make the conference tournament. I think that that's pretty much all decided, and I think Shreveport's the, the regular season champion. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with LSUA and Louisiana Christian, but I like those. I could see either one of them winning that conference, or excuse me, uh, getting that extra bid in that conference. Cody, we've got a slew here, an entire slew, of one bid conferences, the first being the river States point park leads this race in the river States conference by a half game over IU Kokomo. And then I Indiana Southeast and Midway are one game back. None of it matters though, when you're thinking about it, really what it comes down to Cody is who the conference tournament champion is in, in that conference, Uh, Six teams make the conference tournament in that one. So it'll be really interesting to see how the seeding goes. Who would you take right now?
1: Well, it's going to be interesting considering our quick picks later. Uh, I'm taking Point Park this weekend. Spoiler, I am taking Point Park to win the series this weekend. Uh, Their pitching has been actually incredible lately, but I'm actually going to take IUS to win the tournament. And I I think IUS, they're just not going to find themselves – looking outside of a national tournament. Not after last year going to Lewiston. Not after what they've been building over there in New Albany. I mean, they have just put together an incredible program. Uh, I think IUS is going to find their way to win the tournament. I think Point Bar's a team that's going to find themselves ranked, honestly, this week when this poll comes out. And I think that they have a chance to get in as an at-large. But give me IUS to win the tournament.
0: Yeah, I think IUS as well uh, has the best opportunity to to win that tournament there in the River States. I think Point Park would be the second best. Would not surprise me, though, if the dark horse is Kokomo. Cody, I'd like to welcome back the Sooner Athletic Conference to their emergence in being a top three conference in the nation, playing some top three baseball right now. Oklahoma City's 31-3, and 10-2 in conference play. They are in first place SAGU and Science and Arts breathing down their neck, two games back each. And then behind them, Mid-America Christian and Texas Wesleyan are three games back of Oklahoma City. This is a tight conference. Uh a lot of firsts this year. Oklahoma City, of course, you know, this is the first year that we felt that their pitching is good enough to get them not just to Lewiston, but to give them an opportunity to win it in a long time. SAGU is having their best season in school history. They're 26-7 and seven overall. They're three wins away from tying the most wins in program history. And that goes back to the end, the, uh, end of the Dak Stats era, beginning of the Dak Stats era, 2006 to 2021. And then on top of that, they don't ever have a 30-win season listed. So they're four wins away from that. It's going to be really interesting to see if they can reach that plateau there. They are in the hunt. They are in the thick of it. But this conference comes down to who wins the conference tournament. And, Cody, I ha- just have to go with Oklahoma City when you're talking about uh, it's, it's going to be, I really feel like Oklahoma City are science and arts, and I'm, I'm going to go with the offense of OCU to get it done.
1: I really like what Sagu is doing as well. Uh, they're actually the number one ERA team in the conference this year, not USAO, which is a surprise, not Oklahoma City, not Southwestern Christian, but it's Sagu. Uh, 385, you look at some of their guys, Ethan Norris, Michael Watson, Ben Bills. they got some real dudes on that team, man. And uh, we've seen it. They steadily have improved the last couple of years. And a uh, shout-out to Sagu because it's paying off for the Lions. I think two teams are going to make this tournament at least, and USAO and Oklahoma City. I think they're both just nationally ranked and seeded out of position, uh, just kind of pedigree, pro- program pedigree as well. I just don't see how you leave either one of those teams out. They're both ranked top 12 nationally right now. USAO I think is tied for 12, if I'm not mistaken. But give me Oklahoma City. I think they're the best team. We've said it all year. They have the best offense. They're the second-best pitching team. But I think when you look at just a pure talent on their starters, with Schoinger and Eli Davis, uh, Tanner Sparks, yeah, I think Oklahoma City has plenty of dudes on the mound to get the job done. Uh, Cross-factors, obviously, You know, in the, in the one of two for player of the year race right now. He's yeah. insane. He's been really, really good. So, yeah, give me Oklahoma City. Yeah, I feel good about them.
0: The Southern States Athletic Conference. Cody has been uh, Faulkner, who started the season slow, has jumped out to a three-game lead over Bruton Parker. But none of that matters in winning the regular season because it is just the one team from the conference tournament uh, to win that. I do not believe that this conference is as strong as it has been in the past couple of years. This is normally a top five conference, and even most years a top three conference. It is not a top three conference this season. Uh, but with that, you know there's still some good baseball being played in this conference. Are you taking Faulkner as the tournament champion? They've got probably the best arm in that conference in, uh, you know, in Uli Sosa.
1: Yeah, man, this is the conference tournament. It gets wacky. Like you saw William Carey. Won it's it last hard to win. Year. There's
0: eight teams.
1: Yeah, it is hard to win this tournament. And the format they ran last couple of years, it was just not a true double elimination. Before it was, you get to the final, you can go undefeated. And if you lose that Saturday, you're done. Like it's over. And that's that's bitten. I know it's bitten Faulkner a couple of times in the past. It is a true double elimination tournament this year, though, where even the champion has to be beat twice on that Saturday. Uh, So I will go with Faulkner, but I think it's open. I think Faulkner is the best team in the conference. I feel good about that. I think they're going to finish comfortably ahead of everyone else in the regular season. I really do. I think Yuli Sosa has been a top five pitcher in NAIA baseball this year. He's been an absolute dog. He looks incredible. This is a guy that looked really, really good last year. And he looks way better this season. Uh, He looks really good. I think as long as Faulkner has the depth, they can't afford to drop an early game in a tournament. I think they would tell you that too. You don't want to drop an early game in Lewiston or an opening round because I don't know if they have the depth that they normally have to climb their way out of that. But as long as they win that opener, and if you have Yuli Sosa going for the matchup that they want, they can win any game in the country because Sosa could beat any team in the country. Yeah, so give me Faulkner. I like Faulkner.
0: It'll be interesting to see what happens there in the southern states. Cody and the Sun Conference, uh, we've got the top two teams playing this weekend. Spoiler, it is our big series of the week. It's Southeastern St. Thomas, 11-0 and 10-2. And both of them, I mean, there's a six-game gap between Kaiser and Southeastern. I feel comfortable just saying it's either Southeastern or St. Thomas, uh, but I do think that this is a multi-bid league, and you're talking about four, maybe even five teams again out of this conference.
1: Yeah, that's kind of what I wanted to hit on too. You mentioned it earlier, but how many out-large teams do we have this year?
0: Fifteen, and I'm going to get into why I hate that in a moment.
1: Okay, so we have 15, like you said, but that's not a real number, and we know that because some of these leagues eat up so many, and this is the one. This is the one where you're probably going to have five teams this year in the tournament, and you should. I mean, you absolutely should. If you want to tell me that Kaiser and Warner are not deserving and some other teams that are going to make this league are, then I would not agree with you at all. I would just not agree with you. We'll leave it at that for niceness on the show. (laughs) But this is a very, very, very good conference. It's the best conference in AI baseball. I know that's tough for a lot of people to hear, but it is. It It is is the best conference in AI baseball. Bar none. It is. It is the best quality of competition every week. Um, I'm picking Southeastern. It's a double elimination tournament. I just don't see who's going to beat them twice in a tournament setting. Uh, I think if anyone could do it, I mean, it could be. It's hard to project because it's so good. You don't even know who they're going to be playing. Like remember last year in the final, it was USC Beaufort. Buford snuck up and yeah. they ended up playing their way into the tournament last year, which I didn't agree with, by the way. But they did. They got a bid. They played their way into the conference tournament last year or into the opening round because of how well they played in the conference tournament. Thomas, remember a couple of years ago, Thomas Georgia in 2019 won the conference tournament. This tournament is wonky, dude. Like it's, it's like really hard. Wonky. It's harder than, a, than is,
0: an opening round.
1: It's harder than an opening round. Like you, you see so many aces. I mean, you look, gonna. gonna, just, it's, just, it's an incredible tournament. You actually got to call uh, this tournament. I remember watching it one year with you on the call. In West Palm Beach, you remember that, and that was yeah. Weber
0: Weber International won it. We had Florida Memorial beat Kaiser on day one, uh, and then Weber International walked off Florida Memorial and kind of ended their season. And then in the conference championship game, uh, Weber International ended up winning their first ever conference championship, uh, turning a double play against St. Thomas in an extra inning game. It was was just incredible.
1: Didn't Kaiser blow a 10-run lead or
0: something like that to St. Thomas in that tournament? So a, St. Thomas, but... a few years later, you know, the last year, it was the first year I was at ESPN, and uh, it was the first year I was at ESPN, and the last year that that tournament was held in Fort Myers, uh, I know that St. Thomas blew a 10-run lead to Kaiser, and it was capped off uh, with a Jack Curtis uh, walk off home run, and there are highlights of that. Ross does an incredible job at KU, uh, roll, roll Seahawks. But you know, it's it's one of those things that there are video, there is video of that in uh, on YouTube if you want to check that out. Uh, that was one of the cooler moments, cooler comebacks, and I remember watching that game, keeping up with that game at the ESPN Radio studio, and just losing my freaking mind uh, during that. It was it was really incredible. I've gotten to call some in just. Absolute uh, ridiculous games. I mean, thank thankfully I lived down the street from ballpark at the Palm Beaches at the time because I mean you start the day early, you know, ten a.m. or so, and you're not going home till well after midnight. It's it's long. There's a lot of games, but it is some of the best baseball tournament baseball in the nation.
1: Yeah, I could not agree more. Uh, I'm picking Southeastern to win the conference, uh, win the conference tournament, obviously. They're our number one team in the nation. They're the NAI's number one team. But I think there's so many teams deserving. I think top to bottom, I think that's what you get in this conference, is the team, the last team that makes this conference. And the sixth team in this conference can win it. I mean, they have the dudes to win it. They're good. That's what makes it fun. Now, sometimes you need some help. Like, you need one of the big boys. You need a big boy to beat a big boy. I mean, you need St. Thomas to help you out and beat Southeastern. You need Kyber to help you out and knock out Lever. But if you're one of the last ones standing, like USCB, uh, it's play yourself into a national tournament. You never know.
0: Last but not least, Cody, is the Wolverine Hoosier Athletic Conference. Uh, Uno leads Cornerstone by a half game. Lords, Cleary, and Lawrence Tech are all two and a half games back. Concordia and Arbor and in- Madonna and Indiana Tech are three and a half games back. So, Cody, any idea there how many teams I've, I've mentioned? So that's one, two, three, four, five. Six, seven, eight teams. Six will make the tournament. Of course, one of these bids goes to the regular season champion. But here's the thing, is all the teams in this conference are within six games back of first place. This is going to be wild. Uh, but Uno right now at 20-8 and eight overall uh, leads Cornerstone by a half game. The, the whack is is one of those that I don't feel confident about either.
1: Not at all. And how could you when they start throwing math at you like they did last year with that wacky formula? It's like, dude, I went to Gwinnett. I don't know how to do this. But <laughs> you kind of good, good luck with it. I don't know. I'm thinking Uno. They look the most talented team. They're actually playing really well this year. And I know that they're really hungry. I know that's a stupid thing to say because every team is hungry. That's just what you say when you don't have a clue. I'm going to go with Uno. I think Concordia and Arbor is really good. I think Cornerstone's been really good. Grant Young's been an absolute dude. I think Indiana Tech, I see they continue to play pretty well. And then Madonna, I feel like Madonna is always having games canceled. I don't know what the deal is with that, but I don't know. I'm looking forward to it, following it down the stretch. My two teams, though, are going to be Uno and Indiana Tech with no conviction whatsoever.
0: Yeah, uh, it's going to be tight, man. I mean, you're talking about we listed eight teams who are three and a half games back. Only six make the tournament. I'm going to make sure I've got that right. Six make the tournament out of this, yeah. Six teams make the tournament. That's insane. And they're all within six
1: and a half. Yeah, they do like these three-team pods that they did last year where they're hosted. Last year, for example, one pod was hosted at Indiana Tech and the other pod was hosted at Concordia, Ann Arbor. And whoever wins the pods, that's how you do it. Then they do a best-of-three championship series. I actually like that. That's actually cool that they do a best-of-three championship series. I do too.
0: I almost wish we did Super Regionals, man. Can you imagine what that would be like? You know, and they used
1: to before, like I followed in the AI baseball, like in 2011 and 12, twelve, didn't they used to like have like a super regional. kind so of? So
0: I, I think it changed in 2011, but I think before it might have changed earlier, like 2010, 2009. But I think before that they did like districts and it was more of a division two style.
1: Oh, yeah. No, we're, we're not trying to knock out all of our southern teams. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> then I disagree. I don't I'm glad we don't do that. No more than
0: Cody, I, I do want to rant really quickly. So there are four conferences who are overall sub 500 conferences. That means they have, a, uh, a, if, as far as winning percentage goes, sub 500. So being even, uh, that are multi bid conferences. And there are two on the fence that are, you know, could be uh, under 500 by the end of the year. But the sub, five conference, sub 500 conferences are that are two bid leagues are the CalPAC the Crossroads League, the CCAC, and the Red River. One of the biggest things that I come on the show every year and say is that we're doing it backwards. We have the best tournament already outside of Division I in the way that we do our tournament for four-year institutions and even for JUCO because JUCO does districts. So we have the best tournament already outside of what goes to Omaha. But still we place more of an emphasis on how many teams you have in your conference instead of how good your conference is. The Sun Conference and the Sooner Athletic one bid conferences, and they are both they are both uh, absolutely, you know, just they're one bid. Sc- like automatic bids, and they're two of the three best conferences in the nation, and I would put the other one as a one bid conference too in the G sack. Man, like we we are really doing this backwards. The Calpac has a four thirty eight win percentage. The Crossroads has a four ninety eight. The CCAC has a four fifty six, and the Red River has a four eighty seven. The heart and the whack are just thousands of a point above five hundred. So that could be six total conferences that would get multi-bids that overall there's, there's not not enough teams in that conference to make it good, like really, really good quality baseball. There are good teams in all of those conferences, but overall in the, the quality of opponent, I think should matter. NCAA does theirs totally backwards, you know, or totally the right way backwards of how we do it to where, all right, well, every conference gets one bid and then there's all these at-large, and instead it's like, oh, you're a top 25 team, oh, you were really good all season, oh, you've got 35-plus wins, you're not guaranteed anything because you don't know how many teams are going to come out of the Sun Conference. If somebody makes a magical run out of that conference, I mean, you can basically count out four bids right there for that one conference, and three of them are going to be at-large because Southeastern and St. Thomas aren't getting left at home, folks. It's not going to happen. You know, and then on top of that, you have the continental, which gets an automatic two bids to this co- to the tournament. That they don't. It's it's an independent situation. It's not an actual conference with a schedule and playing teams, playing those teams in that in that area. And we don't know exactly how many teams are going to go to the continental five out of 13 and most of those teams don't play full sk- full nai schedules but because there's 13 teams they they get that you know they get those two bids despite only five teams going to the conference tournament and even worse than that they barely play each other on top of that cody can you imagine if two more independent teams join the conference join the Continental, all of a sudden, because they've got 15, it becomes a three-bid league. If the AMC folds and gets eaten up by the heart, that's a three-bid league. Like, there are, because Lions leave next year, they're going D3. You know, And we're constantly trying to, you know, the NAI is constantly adding new teams in, new schools coming in from D2, D3, uh, USCAA, NCCAA. But that, that to me, is scary, that you could have a sub-500 league And then an independent league, on top of that, get three bids. I mean, it's just insane to me. And if you're a coach in a conference like the TSC, like the Sooner Athletic Conference, like the Southern States, like the GSAC, I mean, you have to be thinking, what in the world do we have to do to make sure we're playing the best tournament possible and getting this in? Because the Cascade is also technically a two-bid league because LC is in. It is, it is really, it just racks my brain, man, how ridiculous this is. And I have this rant every single year. I feel like everybody knows it at this point, but I I think we have an opportunity to make our sport better make our sport the best way possible. I get it. It's what the NAI does, but I just do not understand why, because every other sport does that. We've got to do it. And the fact that the continental or the AII or whatever they want to be known day in, day out as would be a three bid league if they just add one or two more teams is absolutely horrific to me knowing that you know a, a lot of the teams in that conference do not play full schedules you take a look at it right now and in that conference Morris has played 16 games Bacon is winless Lincoln Christian is winless you know just Penn State Schuylkill has played 8 games total um, there are two teams in that conference with, with you, winning winning records. Are you telling me that you're not looking forward to the 2024
1: Crowley Ridge to Lewiston World Series run and sneaking <laughs> in the third <laughs> the third place team and the Continental getting sent over to Faulkner? In I mean, who uh, who goes? Who goes?
0: Iowa Wesleyan, Fisher, Georgia, Gwinnett.
1: I think they're gonna go. I think Iowa Wesleyan's going to go. Crowley's Ridge? I, how do you decide that?
0: What Crowley's Ridge, National Ridge National will be National back. League? Shout
1: out to the Pioneers. Um, no, I'm with you, man. I think this whole 10-team threshold is so dumb because, like, we could get on here and hurt some feelings, but, you know, 10 teams in one conference, it's, you know, like you said, it's all about equality, I guess, but every conference is not equal. Like you said, the Southern, it's really the Sun Conference and the GSAC that stand out the most when you look at this with the one team. I mean, obviously, you could throw in this sooner, too, because they're the when it comes to baseball, but I can't speak for all NEI sports, but I would imagine that the Sun Conference and the GSAC are good at every NEI sport. I would be surprised if they're not. I mean, I just would be. You're telling me they don't have good basketball teams in one of those. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But I would imagine that the teams in Florida and California are pretty athletic, pretty talented. And I'm just basing that off me, the guy that grows up in Georgia, high school football state, hotbed. Florida and California, pretty good hotbed for athletes, pretty good hotbed for talent. Um, it's. I'm not a fan of it. Obviously, the Continental having two leagues is a joke. Potentially having three would be just horrendous. I mean, the Heart Conference having three would be. Come on, man. I mean, we're stretching it a little bit now. We're just getting a bit ridiculous. But also, I will say this though: I'm way more okay with the Heart having three than the Continental having three. So I will say, we'll put that on the record. I think. Right. There, I just think that comparing.
0: those. Yeah. Those are the two closest examples to having three. I know that there are some conferences with 13 out there. I mean, the WAC could it, it up their teams, but I think if the AMC was to fold with a, a number of teams leaving the conference, uh, as well as some other things that might happen in that conference overall, you know, the heart would make the most sense as to where some of those teams go. Of course, if, I, if I'm a Sooner Athletic, I'm reaching out to like Missouri Baptist yesterday uh, and trying to get back to 10 teams and, and then adding a really good ball club out of there. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's just, I don't know, man. I I, I just think that we can do this so much better and I'm glad we did took one step in the right direction. But again, what does it matter if we take a step in the right direction? LC no longer is the automatic bid. They still have an automatic bid to the tournament. You know, do they deserve it this year? hundred percent. Were they in no matter what? Absolutely but they still get an automatic bid in a way to the tournament. On top of that, some of these uh, opening round tournaments are going to have four teams. Like Lewiston is only guaranteed four teams. Like it, the, the rules are different in places and it, it's just like, all right, you know what? We we've done this. LC no longer has an automatic pass to the world series. We're good to go. Everything else is fine. And it's not, it's not. So it's just, you know, if I was a TSC coach, Knowing how good the baseball is in my conference, in the Sooner Athletic, the top three conferences, by my own uh, thing, is 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 going to be really good. And if you need to cut this from the show, absolutely go ahead, uh, Cody. Let's move on here to our players of the month, or else we are going to have a two-hour show. Uh, but our players of the month are brought to you by our friends over at pitch pro the new sponsor of the nai ball podcast player of the week and month awards is pitch pro pitch pro is the leading provider of portable mounds for both UAASA and major league baseball designed for both indoor and outdoor use pitch pro brought to you by aeroform portable mounds are built for easy storage they come with a 10-year warranty they aren't made from cheap phones they don't move and they are lightweight look do us a favor check them out for yourself on twitter at aeroform athletic that's at Aeroform Athletic and see for yourself or on Instagram at Aeroform underscore athletics and then check out their website at www.aeroformathletics.com. PitchPro is a platform is the platform provider for the MLB home run derby every year. So give them a follow and support the people who support us. PitchPro, your home for your next portable mound. Cody, Our NAI ball hitter of the month is Central Methodist University, Robbie Merced, who hit 526, 20 hits, 20 runs, 3 doubles, 10 home runs, 29 RBIs, walked 17 times with a 636 OBP and a 1395 slugging percentage. He just edged out cross factor for that award.
1: Yeah, Robbie Merced was absolutely sensational. I mean, he's probably our front runner for National Player of the Year. We've kind of said that now for a long time running. Uh, just insane. Started the season off with an insane weekend, and he's just continued his pace every single weekend. Uh, playing a tough position and shortstop looks really good there. The offensive numbers are just ridiculous. You write them off. I mean, 10 home runs in a month, my gosh, getting over 500, 526. Uh, Robin Merced can't say enough about him. Absolutely insane. I think he's been so far our front runner for Player of the Year.
0: Cody, our Pitcher of the Month brought to you by Pitch Pro is Southeastern University left-handed pitcher Rob Adams. Five starts, 5-0, five one complete game, 27 innings pitch, 13 hits, one run, one earned, five walks, 31 strikeouts, 10.33 K per nine, and a .33 ERA. The dude is legit.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's a must-see TV stream, whatever you want to call it. I mean, every time Rob Adams is pitching, I'm watching. He's been the best pitcher in any baseball this season and he's putting together one of the best seasons we've seen since we started this failing Eyeball. I mean, he's putting together literally an incredible season. He has an ERA less than .5. I mean, it's just absolutely it's insane. Uh, shout out to Rob Adams, who continues to get it done. I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do. His competition level is about to step up. He's going to pitch against St. Thomas this weekend. He's got to pitch against Kaiser. He'll do the conference tournament. He'll pitch in an opening round. And if we're lucky, hopefully we'll get to see him out in Lewiston because this guy has been a real gem this season.
0: Absolutely agree there. And then our team of the month, Cody, is LSU Shreveport 22-0 in the month of March.
1: Longest winning streak in NAIA baseball right now. Shreveport is absolutely rolling. They look really good. Shout out to the Pilots. I think they have a chance to move up to number three. By the time this podcast comes out, maybe they'll stay at number four. Either way, they're going to get a really good seed going into the national tournament, and they deserve it. They've looked incredible this year.
0: Cody, our games and series to watch will be featured in Pick'em as who we are picking. So you'll have to wait till the end of the show for that one. But our big series of the week, which is brought to you by the title sponsor of the podcast and off-speed athletics, is St. Thomas versus Southeastern. For St. Thomas coming into today, the they're 28 and 7, 10 and 2. In conference play at 321 team average, 367 team ERA. Ezekiel Valdez hitting 406, 54 hits, 10 doubles, 7 home runs, 29 RBIs. And then for pitcher, Chris Koipel is 7-0 with a 357 ERA. One complete game, 40 and a third innings pitch, 44Ks and a 9.82K per nine. For Southeastern, man, they have just been so good this season. 34 and one and 1-0. 365 team average, 234 team ERA. Gary Laura hitting 463 with 57 hits, 13 doubles, 10 home runs, 43 RBIs. And then we just talked about Rob Adams. He's super special. 10-0, three complete games, .29 ERA. That's right, .29 ERA. 63 innings pitched, 73 punchouts, 10.43K per nine. Cody, you had some interesting information, though, on this series and the way it's gone the last couple of years.
1: Yeah, I just think most people would be a little surprised. Like- I was so Saint Thomas leads the all time series twenty three to thirteen. I don't think that's going to surprise a lot of people, but I think what will surprise people is Saint Thomas has actually won seven of the last ten meetings. Yeah, they won seven of the last ten, and since Dinkel took over and turned Southeastern into an absolute powerhouse, I mean he's done an incredible job. Saint Thomas is actually ten and five against them since twenty seventeen. Saint Thomas won the series last year in Miami Gardens two to one. Uh, SEU did get revenge in the conference tournament, put them away quickly, 11 to nothing. But this is a series they played in 2019. St. Thomas swept all three back in 2019. Really interesting to see that. I mean, not many people can say they're 7-3 and three in their last 10
0: against this SEU program. This is going to be the biggest series in the nation. It is going to be must-see you know, television if you're in this conference, Cody. I mean, this is huge. We've been waiting. We wait for series like this all year long.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So this is actually our third time making this our big series of the week. This is the third year we've done this. We did this in 2021, obviously 2019 and this year. So this is a big time matchup, marquee matchup. These are two blue bloods. Uh, these are two teams that we know are going to be in an opening round. Doesn't matter what happens the rest of the way. These two are making an opening round. I'm 100 percent confident of it. Uh, they're going to happen. These are two teams that can potentially make Lewiston. And I'm really looking forward to this matchup. I think this will be the best test we get to see for Rob Adams. We hype him up all the time. I'm re- how excited to see how Gio Soto is going to do. Gio Soto for St. Thomas has pitched really, really well. Crosby, bring her to dude from Oklahoma and Been a really good guy on the bump for them. He's stepped over to St. Thomas. Welcome to the show, dude. You're about to play the number one team in the nation. Like, I think this is going to be a big-time matchup at Southeastern. Uh, we'll be t- tuned in. We'll be watching all three games.
0: It will be something we are tuned into. Cody, quick picks. Right here, right now, you, me, and Connor. Oklahoma Wesleyan versus McPherson. Uh, Connor's got McPherson. You are going to take McPherson, is that correct?
1: Yeah, Shout out. Give me the Bulldogs. Give me McPherson in a tight 2-1 to series.
0: So I was going to take McPherson as well. I just want the record to show this. But I need to get a game up on y'all somewhere. So give me Kirk Kelly and the Eagles of Oklahoma Wesleyan in that one. Uh, I, I'm definitely – needing to get, get a g- game up on that. I just want to say that originally I was going to pick McPherson. I, I really enjoyed both of these head coaches. Kaiser versus Warner. I have to go with Kaiser. I'm a Seahawk. Uh, you know, that's that's where I, I worked. That's where I coached. Uh, Connor is going to take Kaiser. Who are you going to take, Cody?
1: I'm going to take Warner here. Taking a fire. This is a really good matchup. And uh, this is one for seeding. When it comes to their conference, fourth or fifth, which obviously affects where you're going to be in the national poll, this is a pretty big matchup. I really don't know. This is a really close one. But give me Warner in a two-to-one series win.
0: Point Park, IUS, one of the best rivalries in NAI baseball is going to happen this weekend. Connor and I are both taking the Grenadiers. But you've got something a little bit different.
1: Yeah, I'm taking the Pioneers. I'm taking Point Park here, man. Uh, these are the two blue bloods of the River States Conference. Two best teams by far years past and this year. Give me point park this weekend. But like I said earlier, I do think IUS is going to get revenge in that conference tournament.
0: St. Ambrose versus Montreat in uh, two teams in the AAC. Cody, Connor, and I are taking uh, St. Andrews. What you got?
1: Yeah, give me a sweep for the Knights. I like SAU. I like St. Andrews. They're playing well right now. Montreat had a really good start to the year, playing some tough teams. Had Reinhardt last weekend. Had St. Andrews this weekend. Just been a little bit of a tough sledding for them. Uh, Give me St. Andrews.
0: Indiana Wesleyan versus Huntington. You and Connor are going to take Indiana Wesleyan, right?
1: I am, mean, If they're going to get into it, it's now or never. Can't keep putting it off. Wouldn't be surprised if it's a two-two split, though. Hate four-game series in one band.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we're not big fans of those. Uh, I need games on y'all. Huntington, it is. And then Southeastern St. Thomas, our big series of the week. I've got S- Southeastern. Connor took Southeastern. Are you going to make it a sweep?
1: Yes, sir. Give me Southeastern. Though it would not surprise me if it's not a sweep on the field. It would not surprise me if right, it's on the series. Win. I know what you meant. Yeah, I know what you meant. But right. uh, give me Southeastern. Will the series win? I told you my line of thinking, Rob Adams is going to go out there and get a win. That means you're going to have to beat them twice in the doubleheader. I just don't like it in me, SEU.
0: Well, Cody, man, we had a jam-packed show, and uh, I wouldn't want to be the person editing this one. Not that we've had a lot of mess-ups. It's just going to be a long one. Thank you for all that you do, by the way, on that. (laughs) uh, But, man, alive, I I definitely think that that this show's got tons of information. We literally went over every single conference who we think the bids are going to be. I mean, just one of our more information-packed shows this year
1: absolutely man i think it was a great week i think it's fun to go through these conference races and kind of just me and you go back and forth and give our thoughts on it people listening obviously care about our thoughts and yeah, it's a fun show and we can give love to everybody not just the southeastern's of the world
0: it is it is a lot of fun i love these shows i know that they're a little bit longer and i know that that's you know uh we come into every week thinking we got to go on her an hour and we never do um But it it is great to talk about everybody, and we've got uh, at least one more talk about everybody show coming up when we do the conference tournament rundown preview uh, towards, you know, basically the beginning of April. Really excited, man, for everything going on. Really excited for the way that that the season is progressing. So uh, definitely, definitely, definitely ready to get going and get this weekend underway. So that'll do it for us here for all of your new stat scores and information. Make sure you check out Cody hit him up at an ball on Twitter and Instagram. And for all of your new stat scores and information that you might need, you know, and for myself, Robbie Gutierrez is the host of the NaIball ball podcast. You can find me at Rob G one zero six three. Be sure you are, you are subscribing, rating and downloading the show every single week. Get, somebody else you know to do it as well and then have them find somebody else and do it rinse repeat do it do it again and that's how we climb into these charts really really appreciate y'all who listen week in week out to the show and uh who you know let us know your thoughts as well we're always interested in that so that'll do it for us here this week it's been season five episode 10 for Connor darnell cody butler i'm robbie gutierrez we will talk to you again next week have a great day and even better tomorrow.